It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder buyout Kimball Walker rescind the qualifying offer from Steve Luke making him an unrestricted free agent. What does that mean for the roster moving forward? We also talk about the Summer League, which tips off in Vegas on Sunday, which you will get to watch the Thunder in action for the first time in a long time, especially getting a first look at these new rookies. And so much more on today's podcast, Lockdown Thunder, your daily home for Thunder basketball. Up next. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. Call in the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, I'm going to lead us off talking about Kimba Walker and Sfee and the news with them, and then we're going to quickly go into part two of our conversation with Richard Saman talking about what summer league means, what we could see in summer league grading this draft class as a whole right now. And kind of previewing this season for the thunder rookies and the thunder second year players as well a bit with Richard Saman. So we're going to get into all of that coming up right now, though we talk about Kimba Walker who was bought out by the thunder on Wednesday and then quickly joined the New York Knicks. Look, the trade market dried up quickly. For Kimba Walker, I mean, whenever they first made the trade, it was unclear if anybody would want him. And then they made the trade with the Celtics. It looked like things were going to be promising this offseason. There was a lot of reports from a lot of people uh, that they could get off of Kimba Walker's contract without attaching an asset to him and, like, trade him uh, this offseason. And then we played the point guard musical chairs, and there was nobody really left standing at the end of it. And so Kimba Walker had to get bought out by the Thunder it's not a big deal, folks. I mean, I get it. You want to react. You want to have something uh, to, to say about the move. It's not a big deal. There's nothing to say. Kimball Walker was bought out. It's a great thing. They had the money to do it. This does not impact their ability to go sign somebody this offseason or next offseason or in any other offseason. This will not hinder them in any way financially. It was simply a decision to get Kimball where he wanted to go in New York, get the Thunder where they wanted to go, being that they don't have Kimba on the roster anymore. They instead have the minutes to go play uh, other guards on this team that need more minutes and can be a priority. Because unlike Al Horford or unlike even Chris Paul, having Kimba on the on the team, his play style does not fit what you want to do. You cannot do both with Kimba. You cannot rehab his image and try to flip him for more assets and then also you know, develop your young guys properly. And in the end, you traded for Kimba Walker. You traded Al Horford. You got back... 16th overall pick that you then flip for two more picks. So it doesn't really matter, right? Like it doesn't really matter. They didn't lose anything 
in cutting Kimball Walker. It does not hamper them financially whatsoever. They've bought players out before with Kyle Singler and Patrick Patterson and, and many others. And this is just a drop in the bucket at the end of the day. Like it does not hamper anything. Do not worry about how this can impact the future. It doesn't. It does not at all. Instead, it actually makes the future better in terms of being able to fully develop all of these young guards. So no big deal there. The Thunder also, though, did rescind the qualifying offer from Sumikai Luke, making him an unrestricted free agent, which signals they're not going to bring him back. Because if they wanted to bring him back, they wouldn't care if Sfi's market dries up and he signs the qualifying offer and comes back on a $2 million deal. That that would be the only reason to rescind the contract if you, if you do not want to have him sign that qualifying offer. Because if you didn't want him back in general, you could just not match his contract. The, the feeling that I get from this rescension is that they felt Sfi's market has dried up. They felt that Sfi might take that qualifying offer for the one-year $2 million deal. They didn't want to give it to him. They rescinded it and let him become an unrestricted free agent. That's what I feel like it has happened. And so thus, there's no way that you bring him back for that because they're also be fine with him taking that qualifying offer. So one less name to worry about, actually two, because you count Kimba Walker in that, two less names to worry about moving forward. The roster takes shape a little bit, still some holes to figure out. We'll see how things reset over the weekend. We'll talk about them on Monday as well as recapping game one of Summer League on Monday. So it'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you stay tuned. And right now, I will get you to part two of our conversation with at Mavs Draft on Twitter, Richard Stamen, our local draft expert here that has been with us this entire pre-draft process, talking all about the Thunder draft. What would you expect his progression to look like? A bit of an older player, but I I do admittedly, I, I do it too. I'm not blaming like everyone. I'm just saying I do it too. I do kind of think that we maybe limit these guys a little bit because they're not 18 or 19 years old. It's so fun to talk about Josh Giddy and Poku because they're 18, 19, but I don't think that Jerry's done progressing. I, what I do wonder though is, as he continues to progress, what skill sets can he get better at realistically? Obviously, he's not a perfect player. There are things he has to work on, but how realistic is it that those things that he needs to work on actually come to pass and are uh, kind of a boost for him? So what can he improve at realistically? What is his path to getting even better as a player and becoming maybe from a glue guy to a quality top-notch starter? Can he reach something more than just being an all-time amazing glue guy? I said on my podcast yesterday that I think that JRE is the type of player that every contender is going to want and at some point in his career, hopefully in Oklahoma City, he is going to win a title because he's because there's going to be so many title teams for the length of his entire career at any point he's available that want him. So at some point, he's just going to be bound to fall into a championship-level team. What kind of can he do to elevate his game even past that, even though he's not the, the coveted 18-year-old? Yeah, I mean, I think actually something that gets forgotten is he's still 20 years old until probably the season opener. He's 20 until his, his 21st birthday. He can legally drink in November. So like he's still actually pretty young and he plays like he's 26, 27. Like I said, he plays like a seven year vet as a rookie. Um, I think the areas that he, there's two things. One, I do think he actually the best glue guy in the league once Draymond Green retires. Um, <laughs> once, you know, that title is very attainable for him. Uh, just a matter of when, not if, in my opinion, that's why I have him 13th on my board. But the two things that I would say are becoming a going from like a reliable, good passer to elevating that one notch up, just upping it a tier, whether you want to call it great, whatever it is you want to call them, even if it was just reliable, it's good, whatever, like getting him to be like a five assists per 36 guy. That's a, I think that's actually very realistic. And then the other would be just making the jump shot consistent. Like he, again, the jump shooting percentages weren't too, um, 
favorable for him. I think he shot 28, 29% from three, but last year, 81% from the line this year, he kind of regressed on similar numbers to 71, but I think that 81 is a little bit more believable. He has the exact same shooting form as Maxi Kleba on the Mavs, who was just a 40% shooter this year and 37% last year. So there's a lot of signs to why he should be able to thrive in both of those areas. And I think personally, that's, why he's going to get better like those things just come with time in the nba like no shooter jumps from i mean no shooter is just who they are in college like guys struggle that's why they're negative because rookies don't shoot that well especially mild shooters in the collegiate game and then the passing i have no doubt will come this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Excited to hear about that for JRE. Now, we do still have to talk about Aaron Wiggins, who I want your just input on him, because to me, my evaluation is that like hopefully he can be a 3 and D caliber player. I don't have much more opinions than that, but you have a more extensive scouting report on Aaron Wiggins and the Thunder are a team that prioritizes two-way contracts. They value the storyline. They value the ability to say, Hey, you know what? We invest back in our guys. We convert our guys to NBA deals if they deserve it. That's very valuable. I I believe in my opinion to take that to agents next time around and say, I know your guy went undrafted, but look, we have a reputation here of giving your guys chances and getting your guys to the NBA level and getting them actual NBA deals. Lou Dort, Moses Brown are two prominent examples, but they even converted Charlie Brown Jr. and Deontay Burton, for goodness sake. So they do value it, and they are going to take Aaron Wiggins seriously, even though he's on a two-way deal. What can he be as an NBA player, and what percentage shot do you give him as being a player who, with a full offseason with the G League actually being an actual season, not bubble this year, hopefully, to, to kind of be that next in line to be a converted two-way contract to an NBA deal? Yeah. So, I mean, he has a very good thing going in his way, which is the fact that three and D wings are probably the easiest, most projectable role. Like if you have that, even if you're not that, how do I say this nicely? Like if you're not as talented as the top three and D guys, right? Like every year, you know, there's some good three and D guys. I'm, I'm honestly blanking of some recent ones, but like this year, for example, Moses, he's a top, he's a lottery pick. Um, and you know, he's not that level of a player, not going to act like Aaron Wiggins is that, but the gap between Aaron Wiggins and Moses Moody really isn't that crazy. Like you look at the top three and D guy in the draft versus like the worst one who's in the range of draftable. Like the gap is the smallest of any other field from best to worst, like best playmaker to worst playmaker is, is huge and things like that. But my thing with him is on, on my scouting reports, I do an expected role, his worst case and best case scenario his worst case is somehow the jump shot doesn't translate. I'm really not worried about that. Um, 
I do have some defensive concerns about, you know, maybe he can't recover as well. Like the athleticism's meh. So I worry a little bit about that, but he's a good passer and the defense should be there. Three and D is ridiculously, ridiculously easy to project up. He probably is one of the safer two-way bets that you can see. Interesting to hear you say that. Cause I'm, again, I just, I, I think that the Thunder value two-way guys, obviously. So to see that they're taking advantage of that again and trying to dip back into that well, I think is incredibly valuable for their organization. Now, we mentioned just now about how they're going to be back to Summer League on Sunday and and hopefully get a longer training camp that will start on September 27th and 28th. Uh, and then they're going to have a, a full season likely this year, starting on October 19th. How much can these players gain that, that the rookies of last year cannot? We know that Tail Malden will go to Summer League this year um, and Poku will not play in Summer League this year, although he might be there. He just won't play. Uh, what is the value to you of summer league and how, how have you seen that help players games and, and who can make a big jump and a big impression for their game than the last time we saw them play in March for their college team or overseas team? Yeah. So, I mean, I think summer league is absolutely massive um, just because it gets those guys confidence going. Uh, and I think that's something that is just so unbelievably important. Again, like, like this year, Aaron Wiggins is the guy. I don't know if the summer league roster has come out yet. Remind me if it, like, correct me if I'm completely off base. But the, the Thunder summer league has not come out yet. But but okay. Sam did say that the intention is to have uh, to have the Thunder rookies there: Trey Mann, Giddy, Wiggins, and, and Jerry. Yeah, I mean it's it's a confidence booster. I mean, there's you if you remember in 2017, Donovan Mitchell went off, uh, and I do think that actually helped him a lot become who he is, just because he had a terrible first like 20 games in the NBA and having that level of confidence below him, it probably shattered it a little bit that wake up call in the beginning of the season, but something like that saying like, Hey, I've done this before against my peers. Like, why can't I do it again? And I don't know. I, I think it can do a lot for guys if everything goes right. And then with tail, for example, how, how do you kind of, to me, and maybe I'm crazy for this. So you let me know. But to me, I think that Tail can represent a good growth point for Giddy. I, I know that Tail's only a second-year player, but being able to play next to a guard who is ball dominant and can be ball dominant, although we saw a Tail play well off ball at some points last year as well. While while of course Tail's not the player SGA is, he is still a, a guard that can handle the ball and take pressure off Giddy as a ball handler. And that can kind of be the first step and first integration of Giddy playing next to a guy like that. Whenever he said he's never had that before of, of a, of a second guard on the roster. So learning how to play off ball starts on Sunday to me. Is that something that you would imagine that Thunder will do as well? I mean, yeah, I, I think they're going to experiment with the young guard core and just see how each one in the lineup can fit with one or the other. Like they're going to do a ton of experimenting there. Um, I don't know how much of their hand they're going to show. I don't think they're going to do everything, but I imagine like Trey Mann is going to play with each of those three guards or I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Three guards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with Jerry, just circling back real quick positionally though, like where's he at to you? Because his synergy numbers are incredible. Like his synergy numbers are hilariously funny. What's his position in the NBA? Like, is, is he truly in your opinion, that switchable one through five guy? Does he kind of shift over to one through four? Just positionally with, with Jerry real quick, what, what is he as a positional player on the offense and defensive side? Because he's also big at the offensive rebounds and, and putbacks and, and around the rim. Yeah, so he, I don't think he's that switchable to go on to guards. I think he's probably limited to threes, fours, and fives. The problem with him guarding fives is that 
he struggled to guard post-minded players a lot. Like he just needs to continue adding strength. That'll come with time. Um, but he can't really guard point guards just because that lateral quickness, that's what kind of hurts, but offensively you can trust him to, if you want to get a lot of cutters going, which Josh Giddy gloves cutting, for example, um, that could be a nice duo. And I, I think he's best at finding cutters. That's what you want. Like, you know, you see the handoffs, you can do fake handoff, find the cutter. He, he can make a lot of those actions work. And I think that's really what you're looking at most with uh, Jeremiah Robinson or on both ends. Very excited. Now I will spring it back to our first question. Now that we've discussed this entire draft class, Giddy, man, JRE Wiggins. I hope that people really do call him JRE because I've been wrong with that for a long time. Uh, what's the overall grade? What, what's the grade right now? Of course, these things are subjective and will change in three or four years, but right this moment, what's the overall grade? So um, that one's hard. The guinea pick weighs it down because I actually thought all three of the other picks were really good. I would give it a nice B plus. Is that, is that too harsh, too nice? I mean, the guinea one, I, again, I thought that was like a B minus. It wasn't like something terrible, but all the other ones were really good. The JRE pick was uh, A plus and, and Trey Mann was probably an A. Wiggins, I, I'm pretty neutral. as like a B. So I, uh, I I liked the draft. By no means did I dislike it. I, I want to make it clear. I like Giddy uh, for the Thunder, but I didn't like it at six. That was really the only issue I had was where you took him. But at the end of the day, if you have someone that high on your board, if you say, hey, in a redraft, this guy's going to be the sixth best player, take him at six. In, in a redraft, just real quick, that's, that's a great topic for everyone, of course, in the offseason. This kind of goes along with the ceiling, but but for the redraft's purpose, what is his ceiling as, as a redraft player? Like, like if everything's perfect for Josh Giddy, perfect from now, and it's not going to happen, but if everything is perfect from now until four years from now, whenever you start doing redrafts, how high can he get? Cause we've seen Shea climb. I mean, Shea climbed up that board quickly. I mean, he's it, it, even in a loaded draft class, he's right there at the top. How far can Giddy climb from six? Will he fall from six, climb from six in your best guess if everything went perfect for, for Giddy, can he, can he progress further than six? If everything went perfect for him. I mean, this this class has a lot of superstar potential. I don't think he can beat six. I think six is a really good outcome. That is interesting to me. And how can he maintain six? Is it just simply a matter of the jump shot? And that will define the story. That will tell us all we need to know. And we can just focus on that one specific thing. Or will it be other things as well? I mean, I think it's a, com- a combination of things. Jump shooting is far and away the most important because that's how he's going to get the volume to be like if you're wanting to be the sixth best player, you can't be averaging 12 points a game. It's very, unless you're a big man in like Rudy Gobert or something. Um, but Giddy obviously is not that. So it, it makes it hard. He needs the volume. That's why the shooting comes needs to come along because that's what stars are. They're volume players at a good efficiency. So the shooting is a very important element. The other thing is we don't really know what he looks like when he's good at defense. Like he just didn't try in the NBL on defense. And if he turns out to be a really good defender and he's like a two-way playmaker, that elevates his game a lot. That's kind of almost a mystery box for him in that end. And to get Thunder fans excited, he ran through a private workout for the Thunder, one of the only teams he got to work out with because of the national team requirements. And Mark ran the workout. And if you watched the Thunder team last year, as you did, Richard, you cannot play for Mark without giving effort defensively. You just can't. So they talked to him. They, they had dinner with him. They worked him out. They must feel, they take him at six, that, he, that they can get that defensive effort out of him. 
And so you're right. If they get that effort out of him and they can make him a good defender, then then the floodgates open, so to say. That Then all bets are off on how good he can actually be in this league. So that's exciting. That's fun. And again, it's not going to be instant gratification. It's not going to be a pick like a Jalen Green or, or like uh, whatever will give you an A-plus today. You're hoping you get the A-plus four years from now. You're hoping it's the A-plus in three years from now. You're hoping you get the A-plus later on and not today. But today, that's, that's kind of going to evade you for now. Uh, but last question here, are you going to protect Moses Brown? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel obligated to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't see, the Mavs, of course, traded for Moses Brown in the Josh Richardson trade. And Mavs draft, Richard Stamen, our guest here at Mavs draft on Twitter, he put out a tweet, which I thought was pretty harmless, by the way. May, Stan, I, may, may I actually take it from here? Go ahead. So I said, here's what he does. And I, I use the word literally to emphasize, no, he cannot shoot. Like, cause every time I go, every time I say, oh yeah, this guy's a rebounder. Like, like can he shoot? Everybody asks. And no, Moses Brown can't shoot. You guys know this. That if you're listening to this, you know, Moses Brown cannot shoot. So I said, he does literally like three things. He rebounds, he finishes and, and like, he can be pick and roll guy. Like, and that was, I wanted to emphasize, this is what you're getting. You're not getting a star. Like I, I, I just don't like when, 13th men get hyped up as stars. Like I, I know I'm a stick or whatever. I'm, I'm a buzzkill. I get it. But that's all I said. And, and it apparently I didn't think of anything of it when I sent it off. I'm like, Hey, like it was an honest scouting report is how I looked at it. I said, here's his problems. Like he's very undisciplined. He needs that strength. He's not that good at defense yet. And like, and everyone started saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you saw something different, I, I muted the thread after quite after pretty quickly, but people are saying, oh, you don't watch the thunder. You don't know what you're talking about. And all these, apparently Moses Brown has one of the strongest individual fan bases outside of like Lonzo Ball, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, whoever the superstars are. I had no idea. So if I offended you as a Moses Brown fan, I am terribly sorry. It was a harmless thing. I was just trying to tell Mavs fans what was up. And I want to tell you what's up with Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15 get 15% off of your next order. They have amazing flavors, folks. Cherry Barcia, coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. They're all great. But my favorite flavor is cookies and cream. I love cookies and cream. Built Bars are protein bars that taste just like candy bars. So it feels like I'm truly having a cookies and cream candy bar. I love it the most. However... They're all great flavors. And if you do not want to take my recommendation, although I'll be a little bit hurt, I'll understand. What you should do, though, for an absolute fact, is order the mixed box. The mixed box gives you two of each flavor. So you get two of every single flavor. You can try them all out and then reorder the flavor you love the most. It's that simple. It's that easy. Trust me, these protein bars are sensational. I have the cookies and cream built bar. I eat it and feel like I just had a candy bar. But in fact, it has 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. They're all amazing. They all taste great. They're all healthy, and they're all amazing flavors. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. It is incredible to be partnered with them because it's such a great product. Remember, you can use them pre-workout or post-workout or even as a meal replacement or a snack. They're that filling. They're that good. I love Built Bars. Try them out today. Billboard.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. Billboard.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up 
with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, you got absolutely killed by Moses Brown's stance that I am just shocked to even exist for Moses Brown. I've been saying this podcast for quite some time. Look, the future of this guy is going to be a gimmicky player. It's going to be a Boban-like player. Like he's a better motor than Boban. You'll get more more kind of uh, athletic than Boban, kind of fluid than Boban. But like that's his that's his role as an end of the bench kind of guy that can give you a matchup based advantage on a game to game basis, and not somebody that you rely on. But because he was put in a position with the Thunder to start and to play heavy minutes and to be get kind of compiled stats as a product of that, it kind of got off the rails on him. And I think that's unfair to him. I think that it's unfair that these fans are hyping him up to the point where they're bound to be disappointed and then crush him in turn whenever we can just accept what he is. He's a great guy. Love talking to him. He's awesome. He has a great motor, great work ethic. He is a good person, but he's an end-of-the-bench kind of guy. And at the NBA level, that's awesome. Like, that's not a bad thing to be an end-of-the-bench kind of guy at the NBA level. Like, that's incredibly hard, and he's incredibly talented for that. So, like, I didn't expect you to get killed for that. Also, like, your big take in that, from what I saw, was he can't guard post-ups, which, duh. Like, he can't guard the perimeter, duh. I mean, I don't know if you expected to hear from that Moses Brown stance, but nonetheless, I know you're going to take great care of him. And by the time we're done recording this, he could get traded for the third time this offseason. So we'll see how that goes for him and in his NBA career. Uh, but Richard, thank you for joining us this entire pre-draft process. I see that we're already going to move into the 2022 draft next week. So I cannot wait to talk to you about Chet next week. Hey, I appreciate it. I got I to gotta start getting familiar with uh, 2022. I've been on a little bit of a break and I, for whatever reason, skipped to 2023 guys. And uh yeah, no, it's, it's a little bright future for the next few years. A, a break well-deserved. Go get some rest. Appreciate listening and, and joining us on Locked on Thunder. Uh, go listen to Locked on NBA Draft as well to hear Richard every single Tuesday. You can hear him and, of course, an assortment of hosts over there at Locked on NBA Draft. Richard, again, I appreciate you joining us throughout this entire process. Follow him on Twitter at MavsDraft. Me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Be good and be good to another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Giddy up. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.